have to be careful with this because we want to hear from God. One of the most amazing things that's ever been said of the truths that comes out of the scripture is that God not only loves us, not only redeems us, but he wants to have a daily relationship with us. He wants to speak to you. I don't care who you are. God of the universe wants to speak to you. Now, we found out and we've talked about and we'll cover it again because this is the primary thing is that, that how he speaks to us uh, is through his word. But first of all, I got to say this. I got to turn this on. I got to say this. Remember, we don't want to be like the confused and the sleepy and the head in the sand. Remember last week? All right, we want to be like this. Y'all got your ears on? Or as Jesus would say, he who hath ears, let him hear. Actually, Jesus didn't say it all at all like that. He said it in Aramaic. But anyway, that was King James Elizabeth in English there. He who hath ears, let him hear. All right? Or she, whoever. Okay. So the main way God is going to speak to you, we know this. There's no shortcutting this. There's no bypassing this. Even though we want shortcuts. We're just, that's what we, we like. But there's no shortcut. Primary way, through his word. You're not going to bypass this and get much from God. I see a lot of people bypassing this and and trying to have all of this stuff, you know. It's just not going to happen. God is not going to work in other ways if he's not first working through his word. We've got to get into it. And if you're too lazy to get into it, I mean, the thing about it is, is I think we do need to discipline ourselves to get more in the word. And part of our whole D6 program, if you remember that, which we're trying to revamp our classes, adult classes through kids' classes, all right? We've got a ways to go with this, folks. I just still feel like it's not asking too much to just come in a little early and let's have some Bible class. Hmm? I mean, most of us get to work on time. I think it would be worth it. I think your effort would be paid off greatly to connect with other believers and to get into the Word. And D6 is all about Deuteronomy 6, which is a three-year cycle of kind of going through the Word. But what we do is, is the adult lessons and the kids' lessons are on the same thing, and it has pointers so you can go home and talk about it. Our goal is not just to fellowship and study here, but our goal is to get it in the home where it becomes something we're better equipped to talk about at home. Because I'm going to tell you, Satan has a very definite strategy to steal our young people. And the statistics are terrible about how many kids that are growing up in church and just, you know, attending and everything, but they get sucked in by our culture when they graduate and they turn their back on the faith. They turn their back on God. And, and you know, they've got to make their own decisions. You can do everything right, and some still will do that. But I think I want to make it as easy as possible for them to know the truth and know the Lord and be ready to have their own relationship with the Lord before they leave home. And this is one of the ways we do it. we got to get into the Word. Things we're doing on, on, on Sunday, Sunday morning, or, and when we start back with Sunday night Bible studies, when we have Tuesday night step studies and group, when we have... Uh, CR, when we have Wednesday Bible studies. There's tons more studies that we should be doing to help grow. And God is calling and God is equipping. And, and I pray I continue to equip people who, to be teachers. Not everybody's going to be a teacher, but some of you are. So anyway, we've got to have that. If you're a Christian, you're a disciple, right? We find in the Bible is over in Antioch where they first started calling the disciples, the followers of Jesus, Christians. You're a disciple. 
A disciple means a follower, and it also means a student, a learner. So I have to be a student of the word if I'm going to be a disciple. Um, so sometimes, so God's primarily going to speak through his word. Now, Wednesday night, we kind of got more into this, but another way is that because of his spirit within us, because we're saved, because God's very presence, the Holy Spirit lives within us, we have the basic principles of Scripture, but there's going to be some daily decisions you're going to make that the instructions aren't necessarily spelled out right here, right? I mean, it's not going to tell you whether you take this job promotion or this other opportunity or this or that, right? But there are principles you can apply to it. So the thing about it is, is that God directly does speak to us on a daily basis that because of his presence in us, the Holy Spirit is going to speak to us and impress into our hearts and into our minds specific things. Now, how am I going to know, is this really God? How to recognize God's voice is what we're talking about. How am I going to know? Is, is, am I really hearing from you? I mean, I think I'm understanding this, but in, in this, this thought, or, you know, and it, it, how does God speak? God speaks primarily through his word, but can he use those times of impressing things? Does he use circumstances? Does he use other people? Could that dream that I had last night be God trying to wake me up about something? So you have to be careful with that. So I'm going to read our text now. In 1 John 4, 1, he says this. There are a lot of false teachers saying a lot of wrong things already, right off the bat. And the apostle John is addressing it. And that's why he says, chapter 4, verse 1, he says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. And then he goes more into it. Uh, that the Spirit of God is one that confesses Jesus has come in the flesh. But there were those who were saying that he hadn't even already at that time. Crazy. But the point is this. Are you ready? Back up here. Look at it. The Holy Spirit is not the only spirit at work. That not only Satan, but a host of demonic spirits are at work. And we have to be very, very careful with that. I mean, I have to know, is this really God or is it really just me? Is that dream I had last night or, or something I feel like is, a, is an impression or a vision or something, is this really God or is it just, is it, is it that I had, you know, uh, too much jalapeno in the enchilada sauce last night before I went to bed? And man, as you get older, that gets worse because you get that acid reflux. And I mean, you're about to go to sleep and all of a sudden it's like, oh my goodness, that burn. It's just a bad thing. And then you just have, a, never mind. Uh, but, but you know, you got to know, how can I know? Because a lot of times, I'd say, uh, a lot of times, it's maybe not. But could God I, try to get your attention through some of that? Or could it be, in your subconscious mind, the devil trying to put wrong thoughts? And we have to be careful with that. Um, you know, it's just like one time, Brother Wayne shared with me. I told you I was going to pick on you. I told you earlier, didn't I? Here it goes. Brother Wayne, he told me, he said, you know, he had a vision and a dream in the night from the Lord about me. And he needed to share it with me. So I said, oh, well, let's hear it. He said, I had this dream. It was so vivid. It was so real. You and I were on our way to heaven. We were on that narrow road. And there's a tough road. And it's a steep road. And he said, I was getting tired. And you being my pastor, you come along and said, Wayne, don't give up. And he said, oh, I don't know if I can make it. And he said that you told me, he said, you said, Lord, you said, the Lord don't want you to give up. Here, I'm here to help you. And he said, I just don't know if I can make it. And I said, well, here, get on my back. I'll carry you the rest of the way. 
So he said, in my dream, I got on your back and you carried me all the way on up to the pearly gates. And when we got there, the Lord said, hello, Wayne, we've been expecting you. Now tie your donkey up over there and come on in. Not sure that was exactly from the Lord. No. And I didn't make that up. He did tell me that, didn't you? <laughs> Long time ago. <laughs> so I have to know, because this can be tricky, right? Because the enemy is at work. That's why John said you've got to be very careful to try. There's got to be testing done. Um, because we find out that sometimes what, I, what I'm thinking, it may just be me. It may be just me and my feelings. It may be my flesh getting in the way. Proverbs 14, 12 tells us there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. Some of the ways it seems, it feels so right. How could it be so wrong when it feels so right? Hey, you could write a song. Never mind. I found that when I get me in tune with God's will and God's word, that here's what happens. I begin to desire God's will more than anything. It may be that God's will seems tough or you're afraid of it. No, no, no. When you really get in tune with God, even though it may seem difficult, God's will is going to be the most attractive, the most desirable thing. He'll put that desire in your heart. The Bible teaches, though, that Satan can also put impressions in your mind. Even though you're a Christian, he can't possess you, but he can try to impress you with things. And it's not always to do something bad. It could just be to be distracted from the real path God wants you to be on and doing exactly what it may be to do good things and you miss the best things. How about that? He may just try to disguise himself so that if you're not testing, you might think it's God because Paul warns us about false apostles and he even said this, 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen. He said, you know, these false apostles, are, they're speaking things that are lies and trying to say it's from God. But he said, it's no wonder. He said, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So I've got some warnings, don't I, that I need to be careful here. And I need to watch out about every little whim and every little impression or every little thing like that. I've got to be sure that I'm really hearing from God. So that's the question. How do I really know if it's God? Uh, now, that's not a big issue if you're just trying to find out where you're going to eat after church or where you're going to park. You may be praying for a good parking spot. And God's like, no, you need to be in the back because you need to walk a little bit more. But if it's big decisions in life, like, like whom you're going to marry or, or a job or a change or career change or some major issue, uh, the Bible here says test it. The Holy Spirit's not the only spirit out there, as I said. Um, but God does not want to keep his word from you. He wants to speak to you. He wants you to know. I found out a lot of times when there are delays in it, part of that process is to cause me to seek God more. It's not that God's not wanting to tell me. It's not that, that God's not listening. God's gone away somewhere and hiding from me. No, no. He's wanting me to seek him more. And God will actually use that time to cause me to plow through some things in my life and do some inventory. And it's during those times that I get closer to him because the thing that God wants to give me more than just the answer is he wants to give me himself. See, his goal isn't just to get me from point A to point B. It's during that process between A and B that he wants to transform me and draw me closer and teach me things. And that's what happens. So here's some simple ways that we can use. There are more, but I'm just going to give you a few simple ways that we can know if, I, if we're hearing from God. So first of all, obviously I have to start here. Does it agree with the Bible? 
Anything that I'm feeling, any impression that I'm getting, or anything like that, I've got to start here or I'm going to get off track because God never contradicts his own word. And the reason I say this is I've had people say, well, you know, I feel God's leading me and God's telling me that I need to do this and I need to do that. And I'm kind of like, you know, there are some clear cautions here. Uh, but I see them do that, and they say God led them to do it. But in following that path, it took them out of church and away from fellowship with other believers and out, away from Christ, and then they totally got off track. So, I, you know, the thing is, is you've got to be careful with this. Um, even if I feel God's impressing me and leading me in a certain direction, I've still got to get in the Word of God, and it's going to press me into this. So basically, if I'm feeling something, I want to press into this. And try to find God's answer because this is, is, you see, if you don't believe in the word of God, you really don't have a foundation. You're just kind of making it up as you go. And these people out here who will say that this book contains the word of God but is not fully inspired, inerrant word of God, from Genesis 1 to maps. <laughs> I've got maps right after Revelation. Okay, in my Bible there's maps. Okay, uh, that the whole thing's inspired. Then, then you're kind of free to pick and choose and make your own religion, Right? So I'd rather be on the solid rock, and I believe this is the Word of God, and, it, and it's proven itself over and over again. Now, I'm not saying that I have this idea, and then I just go find some obscure verse, and I pull it out of context and, and twist it to fit my idea and say, see, see there? That's not it either. You've got to properly understand, properly interpret, and properly apply it, okay? So you even have to be careful with taking the script, because Satan did that himself when he tried to tempt Jesus, remember, in the wilderness? He took portions, isn't it written, isn't it written? And then Jesus came back, it is written. Because what Satan was doing was taking scripture out of context. Matthew 4, go look at it uh, later. So this is why God calls people, God is calling and gifting certain people to help out. One of the spiritual gifts is that of teaching and preaching the word of God. Uh, so that there are some that are going to be spending more time in trying to help the fruits of their study pour over to help all of us so that we're all learning and growing constantly and to better equip us. And, and one of the things I want to do is better equip you to get into the word and to study it and apply it yourself. I can't do all of that for you. I'm not supposed to spoon feed you, but I am supposed to lead and equip. Um, so I want to be in there. And I want to be better equipped to know if what I'm feeling or what I'm thinking is actually from God. Because he's always going to be consistent with his word. In fact, here's what he told the Galatians. When I came and I spoke to you, I was speaking word of God. And then he says in Galatians 1.8, he says, But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you already, let him be anathema. Let him be accursed. <laughs> so Paul's saying, what I gave you was the word of Christ. There were other people saying things that were a little off. And he says, I don't care who it is. Or even if an angel appeared, God's not going to change his word. God's word is always consistent. So I don't care what kind of, uh, of experience or what kind of vision you may have had. If it goes against this, it's not only not from God, it's from Satan. Amen. Does it agree with the Bible? Secondly. Does it make me more like Christ? This decision that I'm working through and this thing that I'm, is it, so, so does it make me more like Christ? Because if it takes me away from him, then it's probably not God's voice. Because this, I guarantee you, 
is God's plan and purpose for your life. This is God's will for your life, is for you to become more Christ-like. Because not only did Christ, God the Son, come down to earth fully God, but he was fully human. And as a human, he lived and set the perfect sinless example for us. So God himself actually came down and fleshed out, modeled the way we're to live. Isn't that awesome? And it was real. And it was here. God did that. Besides just taking our sin and dying for us on the cross. That he modeled this. And that's God's will for us. Romans 8 and 29 tells us that we're predestined to be conformed to the image of Christ. That's it. He wants us to be conformed to the image of Christ. And that's deep. You know, you start talking about, well, that's the doctrine of election and predestination. You want to get into that? I mean, these are things that are God's, that blows our mind. Yes, God is sovereign over all, but yet he made us. And he gave us within his sovereignty a will that we make decisions. And he says you're responsible for those decisions. So the scriptures teach the responsibility of mankind and the sovereignty of God. And these truths run parallel all the way through scripture. It is a deep thing. Here's all you really need to know is this. You're here and you felt God's tug on your heart. You need to know that the thing is God chose. God chose. Before the world was created, he knew you would be alive and he knew you would be a sinner because he's going to create you with the ability to accept or reject him. And Adam and Eve made the wrong choice because love is a choice, right? He wants a love relationship. He knew that you would be a sinner. God had already chosen knowing everything bad about you already. God already chose to send his son to die on the cross to pay for your sins. He chose to do that before you were even born. And when you choose to receive that, and he did this in love, by the way, when you choose to receive that, the result is you're part of his family. And the destiny, the destiny that he predetermined isn't just that he wants you in heaven the destiny that he has determined is that you be conformed to the image of Christ. Ephesians 1, 4. He chose us. <laughs> I just want to get down on the floor right there. That God would choose me. You ever been out there with the people and they're picking teams and it's like nobody's picking you? It's never really happened to me, but <clears throat> I'm sure we've all been there. That's a horrible feeling. But God is looking at all mankind, and he looks at you, and he says, I pick you. I want you on my team. And it's going to cost him a lot for that to happen. He chose you in him, in Christ he chose us in him, talking about Christ, before the foundation of the world. And what's the destiny? That we should be holy and blameless before him, conformed to the image of Christ. The word of God is consistent. This is God's plan. This is what. So does it make me more like Christ? In James chapter 3, uh, verse 13 through 18, he gives us some good instruction about anything that causes selfishness, bitterness, and envy. It's not coming from God. So whatever God's leading you to do that results in that, that's not coming from God. In fact, I'm going to turn there to James chapter 3. I'm going to read verse 13. He says, who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him, if you say you're wise, by your good conduct, let you show your wisdom, in, or let you show your works in the meekness of wisdom. But, he says, if you have bitter jealousy, listen to this, and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast 
and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes from above. Above means from whom? From God. But he says, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. That means it's from below. It's actually coming from Satan. Listen to this. Because a lot of times we pick other sins, but we pass over these. We're talking about jealousy and selfish ambition and pride. He goes on to say in verse 16, For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. Now, verse 17, I want to put that up there so you get a good look at it. He says, But, James three seventeen, The wisdom from above, that is from God, is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. That's a mouthful. But here's what I know, that I'm praying to get God's direction, and I feel like he's speaking to me. If it's an impure thought, then it's not first pure. It's not from God. If it's something impure that goes against his word, I know it's not from God. Amen? Are we on to something here? Are we able to test something here? Wisdom from above is peace-loving. Now, there's times we have to take stands on things, but he's not talking about that. Uh, ideas that come from God will promote building people up, promote harm, harmony rather than conflict. It's considerate. See what I'm saying? Considerate of other people, loving and gentle to other people. It seeks to build other people up, not tear them down. If it's something that's causing that, is it peaceful? If it's not peaceful, then it's not from God. He says gentle, uh, he, he says, open to reason uh, or willing to yield. It's, it's, it, this, this phrase literally means not manipulative. If I'm trying to manipulate and control people, then it's not from God. Full of mercy. If, if you've really heard from God, it's going to make you more gracious toward people and less judgmental. And it results in good deeds, good fruits. Good things. And, and, and it's not phony. It's sincere. You're not phony and impartial. You're not showing partiality and putting other folk down. So if it doesn't line up with this, it's not from God. It's not from above. That's a pretty good test right there, isn't it? And it's one we need to hear. Because he, he tells us there, in the verse that was up there, Proverbs eleven fourteen. 14, I... I Wait a minute, I've got, to, I've got to go here. Well, I didn't put it up there. Well, there it is. Where, <laughs> uh, hold on, let me just back up. All right, so it results in good news, not phony. Third thing, I got ahead of myself. I'm just getting all excited here. Does it make me more like Christ? Thirdly, is it confirmed by mature believers? So does it agree with the Bible? Does it make me more like Christ? Those things we're talking about. And thirdly now, is it confirmed by other believers? So, so the thing is, when you became a believer, a follower of Christ, you got a new relationship with God. Amen? But you got more than that. You got a new, listen to me. You got a new relationship with people as well. It's called the church, the family of God. God doesn't want you to be isolated because you're part of a family. You're part of the body of Christ. That means you've got to be connected, not amputated. You become a member of the family. And here's the thing. 
God speaks through other well-grounded believers. Often they have a different perspective and they may help you see something that you really don't see on your own. See, the thing about it is I found with me, even though I'm praying, even though I'm, I'm in the word, and even though I'm saying I want to be more like Jesus, there may be some things that I'm kind of I'm kind of got my blinders up. There may be some things I don't want to deal with in my own heart. There may be some things from my past I don't want to deal with. There may be some sin and some attitude that I don't want to deal with. And I'm kind of, here's what I'm doing. Are you watching this? Are you listening? Okay, good. Uh, I may be filtering it through my own grid. But when I'm around you, you're not doing that, and you might hit me with some truth that I'm trying to avoid. Hey, that goes for your pastors, especially. This is why a lot of times in this, I, 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 I need to talk. I need to, be, I need to be in fellowship. I need to be in study. I need to be in discussion. I need to be, listen to me, in relationship with other believers. Because sometimes they, if you're close, see, maybe this, maybe this, it's not just your personality, maybe this is why you don't want anybody close. It's because you don't want somebody who loves you and close to you to care enough about you to call out something that they see in you that could be destructive in you. Because you don't want to deal with it. It could be. I'm not saying it, it could be. Um, so, ha, now, I was wanting to jump to this verse all ago. I'm sorry. Here it is now, Proverbs eleven fourteen. Where there is no guidance, a people falls. But in an abundance of counselors, there is safety. So wisdom from Proverbs tells us this. There is safety in this. You need this. Um, Proverbs twelve fifteen. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. If you're always thinking you're right, you may be getting into the area of foolishness. A wise person will. Not all advice is going to be right. Not all advice is good. But at least you're willing to hear it. If God's genuinely spoken, here's what I found. If God's really spoken to me and I've got an idea, I've got an impression from him of a direction, I want to find mature believers whom I know and who I trust and I want to talk to them about it and have them pray about it. Now, there may be sincere believers that have some grids up too. Because I can remember nearly 34 years ago when we decided to, I decided to resign the church where I was. Clarissa had a good job and, you know, put in her notice and we were going to move to Hartville, Missouri. But before that, we were praying, and a lot of these things were lining up. And even the next couple of things I'm going to mention lined up. And there were people that I shared it with. And there was so much godly encouragement. If God's calling you, then he's going to make a way. Yeah, you've got little babies. He's going to make a way and all that. But there were people out there who didn't want us to leave there. And some of them was like, no, there's no reason why you should leave. There's no, you know what I'm saying? Sometimes there may be a young person called to be a missionary and grandma's like, okay, I even had some loving people in my own family. And we were out there, and then we moved here, and they're saying, you know, we got churches right here around Rosebud that need preachers. Why can't you be here? Right? But, but you know, they were just wanting us close, right? But I found out later on that I got along a whole lot better with all my family down there because I didn't live there. 
right? Get along with the world. So much better. It'd probably be different if I lived there. So I'm just saying that you have to have wisdom here. Because some people might, I mean, so, so we're thinking of ourselves, right, more than them. But somebody, You want to have people who are thinking of you. But whenever, so you don't just need one, you need more than one, right? Because, because the one you pick might, might have a hang-up on something. But confirmed by other believers. I believe this, that God is going to confirm it through other people in the family. Um, the biggest reason why a lot of times we mess up our lives is that we try to live without any accountability to anybody else. We want to be accountable without support, without confirmation, without counsel, without guidance. And even things that I'm preaching, even things that I'm doing, even you'd be surprised. Not always, but some of the jokes I try to tell. I will seek advice. Is this appropriate or not? There's been some really good ones that's been shot down. And I'm just like, okay, I'm going to trust you that it probably shouldn't say that. All right? Now, there are a few that leak out. But uh, I even warned Wayne that I was going to pick on him today, didn't I? Uh, and he's like, good, go right ahead. You know what you've got coming back at you. <laughs> so does God ever speak to me about other people occasionally? But there are some qualifications is that um, God will use me or he'll use you to confirm what someone else, uh, what he's already said to someone else. I mean, it's, it's unlikely God will tell you first. Now, there's, there's, there's a disclaimer here. There may be some things I'm not wanting to hear. And usually when that's the case, somebody breaks through that, I'm kind of like, oh, well, you know, i just not been wanting to hear that. Thank you. No, usually I'm resistant. Why? Because I'm not wanting to hear it. But God has spoken to me first about it. I just don't want to listen. And then God may use someone who's close to me to kind of confront me about it. But he will have spoken to me first. So I found that rarely will God speak to you first about someone else. If they know him in that way. I mean, God may put a burden on your heart for someone who's lost, but, but if someone who's a believer, that, that normally, if God's stirring your heart about them, he's, he's already been trying at least to deal with them. So that's one thing that I found out. Um, so it's unlikely he, he, he would tell you first. Not that he would never, but... Um, so I've had God speak to me many times, and I wasn't really sure if I'd heard from God or not. And then another person would come along and say, you know, I really have felt this burden, or I feel this is happening, and it would be some of the same thing God's been dealing with me about, and it would really confirm. And I hadn't even told them. There are times that that happens. Um, often when God speaks to you to help someone else... Um, there'll be many times, not all the time, many times he'll use you and do it without you even knowing it. There's times God has used some of you. And I've been amazed. I, I hope that I've helped you as much as you've helped me. But I have to say, a lot of what God has done in my life hasn't just been direct, it's been through you. A lot of the reproof, the encouragement, the help, the lessons, the things, God has used you to teach me and help me in my life. And I hope he uses me in your life. This is all part of being a community of believers and helps us recognize God's voice. It agrees with the Bible. It makes me like Jesus. And it's confirmed by mature believers that we're in community with. Because many times, uh, people, God has used you to do or say something that has confirmed something God's been stirring me about and you didn't even know it. And then there's been many times that I've said things and someone would, or, or done things. And I gave an illustration Wednesday night of even calling a guy that I just had a burden on my heart. And I called him and um, 
And uh, I didn't know, he didn't tell me, but he wanted to come visit. I didn't know until years later, he told me, when you called me that day, I was sitting at the table and I had a pistol in my hand. And I was toying with the idea of just getting out of everybody's way. I didn't know that. The Lord didn't say, hey, so-and-so's in trouble, call him. It was just a nagging, and I, I should have called him the day before. God is just amazing, isn't he? Amen. So we don't always know. You don't always know. As you're just walking with God and as you're just serving God, you may be being used by God to confirm things that God's doing in other people's lives and vice versa. Okay? All right. So trust God to speak uh, in, in, in this way. So if God is burdening your heart about talking to someone else about something, here's what you need to do. First, pray that God will speak to them first because I guarantee he will. All right. So is it confirmed by other believers? Let's wrap this up here. Is it convicting? This isn't my very last thing, but this is almost it. <laughs> is it convicting rather than condemning? Did you hear that? That's a test. That's a question. Is it convicting rather than condemning? Listen to me. Conviction from God is from God. Condemnation is from the devil. Conviction, this is for someone who's saved. Conviction is to point you to change in your life that will bring blessing. So, Romans chapter 8, verse 1, he says, If you're in Christ, there is no condemnation. Our sins were judged at Calvary. Jesus took the judgment for our sins. So what God wants to do is convict us to direct us instead of just judging and condemning us. So when God convicts you of sin in your life, it's going to be, listen to me, very, you'll see the difference in a moment. It's going to be specific. It's going to be very specific. It may be an attitude, a behavior, or something in your life that needs to be changed. You will be able to go to the Word of God and point to specific verses in context that apply to it. When Satan condemns you, it's very vague. Watch this. He basically says, you are no good. You are worthless. That's what Satan says. You're bad. How about this one? You will never change. Satan says, there's no hope for you. You see how vague that is? Satan says, God will never forgive that. God's tired of dealing with you. Satan says, you stink, even though you just took a bath. Satan will say, forget trying to be a Christian. Quit playing games. You... you Forget it. That's very vague, not specific. He's telling you you're worthless. See, God's purpose is not only to forgive your sin, but to remove the guilt. Do you realize that? He's not like some people who try to use guilt to manipulate and control people. So should a Christian ever feel guilty? Yeah, but just for a moment. The purpose of guilt in the Bible, when you feel that type of guilt or condemnation in the Bible, is to motivate you to repent. Once you repent of that sin and ask God to forgive you, he's forgiven you. Repentance involves agreeing with what God is telling you about your sin, confessing it to him, asking forgiveness by trusting what Christ did on the cross to pay or cover your sin, allowing God to help you to turn or change. That's repentance. Once you do that, God says, you're not only forgiven, you're not guilty anymore. How about that? You're not even, you're not like, well, you're guilty, but I forgive you. No, he says, you're not, I even removed the guilt. And when you stand before God, Satan brings these accusations up. God looks at you and says, not guilty. 
not even guilty because he took the sin, he took the shame, and he took the guilt. So that's, see, we try to use guilt to motivate. God wants to use love and grace to motivate. Remember what he said to us. Remember what he said to us in 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins. The word confess means literally to agree together with God about what he's convicting us about. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It's cleansed. It is gone. He's not going to bring it up. He's not going to hold it over you. He's not going to beat you over the head with it. It's gone. Satan will bring it up, and Satan will beat you over the head with it. That's why you got to do like Jesus and come back at him with the word of God. I confess my sin. He's forgiven it. It is gone. Shut up. You're a liar. Yeah, you can talk to the devil like that. Sometimes you need to say it out loud. You need to claim your victory. You need to claim your forgiveness. You need to claim your freedom. And quit letting the enemy hold you in bondage. If you're always going around feeling like scum. If you're always going around thinking you're no good. And, 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 and then, uh, so the either, either you're not willing to trust God for his forgiveness and you're trying to earn it for yourself. Or you're listening to the wrong voice. It's the devil telling you that, not the Holy Spirit. Satan, he, he always, you ever notice how he does? He always minimizes your sin before you commit it, right? He's always like, it's no big deal. Ain't nothing wrong with, yeah, ain't nothing wrong with that. Or everybody's doing it or this or that. You know, no big deal. And then once you cave and you sin, it's like, look at you. You're worthless. You're no good. No point trying to be a Christian, right? You see how he does? He says this before and then he says that after. That's how Satan works. Look what you did. That's why you say to our little puppy, you know, make a mess. Look what you did. And they just kind of like, bad boy. Sometimes that's Satan. He's trying to, trying to tell you you're worthless. Because in Revelation, he's referred to as the accuser of the brethren. And the brethren means of those who are believers. He's called the accuser. Uh, of the brethren. Now, the word devil actually in Greek means an accuser or slanderer. That's what it means. Did you know that's what he's going to keep doing? So sometimes we get confused between when we're trying to hear God's voice. If you're not careful, you can get confused between Satan's accusations and the Holy Spirit's conviction. You following me? This is why we want to test things. Because I want to tell you this. God will never, ever, ever tell you that you're worthless. Because think about it. You were worth so much that he sent his son to die on the cross for you. That tells me you're worth quite a bit. How much are you worth? You're worth the life of Jesus Christ, him dying on the cross. That's a high price right there. That's what God says. So you throw that in the devil's face. And if he keeps bugging you, tell him to go to hell. <laughs> That's where he's going. <sighs> you know, we used to say that a lot. You know, when the devil comes reminding you of your past, you remind him of his future. The lake of fire. Okay. You know, resist the devil. And he will, let's get more Bible in there. Let's read the Bible. Where he tells us in John chapter 4, resist the devil. Submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. That's how it happens, Okay. All right, so we need to know, is it, is it Holy Spirit convicting or is it just Satan accusing? All right, so then the last thing, do I sense God's peace? I really feel like we're walking with the Lord, we will sense. Because here's the thing, 
In 1 Corinthians 14, 33, he tells the Corinthians that Paul says God is not the author of confusion. Even in their worship, they had all kinds of chaos going on. Hey, one person's going to sing a song. Someone's going to sing a hymn. Someone's going to have a word from God. Someone's going to have some language. Someone's going to have some interpretation. Someone's going to have some sermon. Someone's going to have this. And it's all going on. And you know what? He said it's confusion. It's chaos. God's not the author of it. So basically, Paul was saying, the stuff y'all are doing in your worship service isn't even from God. He's not the author of confusion. He didn't do that. It's you. It's not God. It's you. God's not the author of confusion. All that confusion in my mind, in my life, God didn't put it there. It's me. So if I'm feeling confused, I'm feeling overwhelmed, I'm feeling pressured to make a hasty decision about something super major and important, I need to double check it. I need to test it. All right? There's no verse in the Bible that tells us, that counsels to rush to make important decisions. Now, there's times we've got to make quick decisions. I know that. But if we're being pushed and being rushed, we need to back up. We need to test things the way we've been talking about. In fact, the Bible says God is patient. He would rather have you make right decisions than quick decisions. You know, that's what they try to do sometimes. And if you're in sales, this is your strategy. You know, you try to get people and you try to close the deal, man. You try to get them to make the decision right now. Well, this deal goes away tonight. You've got to decide now. Well, give me a day to think about it. You can't think about it. You've got to decide now. Because they know if you think about it, you probably won't do it. Well, this is on a different level. Sometimes we get pushed into that. The only time you're going to feel stressed and Pressured from God is when he's convicting us that we're not doing something we need to do or we're doing something we shouldn't be doing. Uh, or maybe he convicts you for, for, for not, do, not doing something that he's told you to do. You know the right thing to do, and you keep procrastinating. Then we feel stress. Get this. Satan drives us compulsively. Satan drives us compulsively. God's spirit draws us compassionately. I didn't put that in the notes, so you might need to put it in there. Satan drives us compulsively. The Holy Spirit draws us compassionately, gently. Okay? Uh, Colossians 3.15, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Let the peace of Christ rule. So here's this. If God is genuinely speaking to you, it will bring peace to your heart. It may be something difficult that you're to do, but I found even those difficult things, once you kind of get through this, you have peace, even in the midst of the storm. There's a storm. Amen? There's a storm. Erica, you and Philip got a storm going on around you, and it's troubling but God's going to give you peace as you go through that storm because he's with you. And he's the one that can step out at any minute and say, shh, peace be still and quiet the waves. But he's in the boat with us. He will give you peace. And he'll, once you obey, when he's speaking to you, he'll bring peace once you obey what he's telling you. Produces a calm. See, worry and anxiety, I found out, are not from God. Jesus says, don't worry. So sometimes we have the voice of a parent that we had maybe that was not capable of being pleased and we put it in the form of God and thank God all he does sit around and try to just beat us up and tell us you're no good. And, 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 and listen, I'm going to tell you, it, that's not God. 
If you had a parent or a teacher or a coach that way, I'm sorry. That's not God. That is not God's voice. Don't cross them up. You don't understand grace if you think like that. That's not how God speaks. He wants to give you peace. So there's nothing more vital in your life than hearing from God. That's it. We were created by him, and we were created for a relationship with him. Without it, nothing else fits together and makes sense. You're going to miss a purpose for which you're made and created. If you try to make decisions in your life without listening to God and, and without growing in your relationship, then you're going to be setting yourself up for failure. Listen to what he says. Jesus said in John 8, 47, He who is of God hears God's words. Therefore, you do not hear because you are not of God. He was saying that to people who thought that they were. So if you really belong to him, you're going to listen to him. You're going to hear his voice. If you're not hearing him, then do you know him? So here's the secret. You want to know the secret to being able to recognize God's voice? Getting to know him better every day. Getting to know him better and being in fellowship with his people. God will always give you enough specific direction to do now what he wants you to do. After you obey that, when his time is right, he'll give you more. Why should I get those answers when I'm not listening to this one? In other words, God's given me direction about a step I need to take, and I'm refusing to take it. But I'm wanting to know about this down here. Why should God tell me that when I'm not listening here? What I need to do is obey him here and take that step, and then he'll speak clearly the next step that I need to take. He'll give me more. If you don't have clear instructions from God in a matter, what do you do? Pray, get into the word, and wait. Learn to trust him. As I said, he may withhold direction to cause you to seek him more intently. Don't try to skip over the relationship to get on with the doing, the relationship. Here recently, someone kind of said something to me about having, you know, he said, I've been having troubling dreams about you and, and, and your busyness and are you doing okay and all that. And God really did use it to see that probably subconsciously, whether this was actually the Holy Spirit or just the, even if it wasn't, the Holy Spirit used it because subconsciously you see me running around doing and doing and doing and doing. And then the question the Holy Spirit had for me, well, I want you to hear this from another believer, is that are you putting the relationship before the doing? You're doing a lot of stuff for me, but more than that, I just want you and me to have some more time together and I need to slow down a little bit. Oh, I need to say no to some good things to have time for the best things. Just something happened. Remember, Satan will always try to deceive you, but he cannot, listen to me now, <clears throat> Satan cannot ultimately thwart the purposes of God in your life. The only way he can affect God's work in your life is if you choose to listen and believe him rather than God. It's the only way. Let's pray. Father, help us.